So welcome everybody to the September edition of McFarland's HR podcast. I'm Matthew Ramsey. I'm the senior knowledge lawyer in the employment team. And this month, we bring you not one guest, but two. I'm joined by Amy Powell, who's one of the lawyers in the employment team, with a particular interest in all things technological. And even more than that, Oliver Jeffcott from our law tech team joins me as well. We are unusual in the city in having a dedicated giant function wholly dedicated to law and the technology that supports law. And Oliver lives in that bit of the of the firm and so has rolled out all sorts of snazzy technological solutions for clients. And the reason that he and Amy are here today is because we're going to talk about AI as it impacts HR and employment practitioners. AI is obviously a massively hot topic at the moment. Um, you can barely open the newspaper without seeing some reference to it, either because government wants to regulate it or because people are terrified of its implications. But it has particular impact for employees and how employers allow or don't allow their employees to use artificial intelligence. So before we go much further, we probably ought to start by just um, understanding what we're going to mean in this discussion when we talk about AI. So that is definitely a technical question. So it's definitely for Oliver. Thanks, Matthew. When we talk about AI, what we mean is when a machine can perform a task that requires intelligence. Um, although when we say intelligence, that's not really a fixed term. For instance, when I was young, um, if you told me that a computer would be able to beat the world champion at chess, then I would have thought that would be pretty impressive in showing intelligence. Whereas nowadays, I think we wouldn't be quite so impressed by that and it might be debatable whether we'd call that artificial intelligence. So it is a term which can move over time. And when we're talking about generative AI, that's when the AI performs a task which involves generating something. I must say when um, obviously the, we along with many other firms have been testing a whole range of, of AI solutions and I, I watched uh, a, a demo of, of one of those platforms a little while ago, and it was truly incredible to watch the machine producing words as if by magic from the ether. Uh, so for a, a, a non-tech person such as myself, it is genuinely incredible to, to see what it can do. But, but, but Amy, presumably alongside just being amazed, it does pose some quite interesting questions for, for employers. Yeah, absolutely. So um the whole employee life cycle is affected by the use of artificial intelligence. So even if we start with the recruitment process, if CVs or cover letters are produced using AI, how would you deal with that as a business? Do you just have to accept that some candidates will utilise AI when applying for roles? Or would you explicitly ask candidates not to do this? And even if you do decide to do the latter, how would you police any applications that have been produced using AI? Once employees have started in their roles, it presents issues around promotions or rewards. So if work is produced using AI, for example, if employees are promoted off the basis of work they've produced using AI, how is this necessarily fair for employees in perhaps other parts of the business who can't use AI so easily in their roles? Employees might also receive high bonus awards because their numbers are the highest in the team. And again, this might be because they've utilised AI efficiently in their roles. So opens an entire box of issues to do with measuring performance and efficiency at work. 
But presumably there, you, if, if you just conceive of, of AI simply as a, as a tool for employees to use, then you, know, it might, you might be able to, to get comfortable that efficient use of that tool merits a higher reward or bigger bonus. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're a long way off any businesses or employers um, feeling comfortable with that approach. Um, a lot of the issues we're seeing at the moment now are that some people are perhaps using AI, others aren't. Um, I mean, we've even had a couple of um, issues at work where, not obviously at our firm, but clients who sort of suspected that something has been produced with AI. How do you police that? Um, how do you check that? And it can also... One thought I did have when I was when we were um, talking about this podcast previously was it might also make sort of all of the difficult or traditionally difficult processes at work or HR processes like formal grievances or requesting long periods of leave. It makes submitting those types of requests and formal letters much easier because if you just have to ask ChatGPT, please write me a letter requesting an extended period of leave, it makes it a lot easier to s- submit those traditionally quite difficult letters and requests which employees would normally put off producing yeah that's probably a fair point so chat gpt just i mean i appreciate everyone listening no doubt is is familiar with that but just so i'm clear that's one of the the generative ai platforms that you mentioned oliver yes chat gpt really did um, kick off all the media interest and interest generally in generative ai um it's, it was very impressive uh, in terms of being able to feed in a free text question and in normal languages as you'd speak to someone and then see it in real time, just write back a response. And and it's just, I, I seem to remember you telling me when we were looking at this, that not only can it create new content from, from the prompt that you described, but it can also analyze if I uploaded, let's say, um, a, a complex grievance document it would be able to strip out all the allegations that were being made and find which witness might be necessary to respond to those things so that would be a, a job that traditionally we might take a lawyer or an hr person several hours and it might be able to do that very quickly yeah absolutely the uh, the way that it can take a vast amount of documents or data and then process that is is really impressive for instance if i fed in a bunch of my emails I could potentially ask it to draft a response and it would do so using using my own style. That really is quite startling, isn't it? That a machine can effectively mimic you, Oliver Jeffcutt. Yeah, it can be a really impressive tool. And when you think of also the potential applications for being able to review large data sets and amounts of documents, for instance, being able to review a whole bunch of CVs and then provide a summary, or you could upload a spreadsheet and then it would review the spreadsheet and then you could use just natural language to ask it questions about the data. It's quite amazing what how quickly that's come along and what the potential use cases are. And, and as you mentioned, uploading uh, data to, to the platform for analysis, that um, I suppose raises the question of, should you be uploading confidential information to a such a platform is there a risk of of data leakage or or even a a breach of data privacy rules maybe that's a question for amy 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just um, to pick up on the data privacy point, for example, if your employees are putting personal data about their colleagues or clients into an AI tool, um, do you as an employer know how that AI tool might process the personal data? Um, from an intellectual property perspective, if an employee creates a piece of work using artificial intelligence, so for example, a slogan for an advertising agency, then who owns a slogan? Is it the employee who utilised the artificial intelligence or the company that owns the AI tool? Um, we also spoke about it in the context of liability for negligence. This can be a bit of a grey area because if an employee uses an AI tool which produces some perhaps inaccurate or a negligent piece of work, then who exactly is responsible for that negligence? And finally, it can also present issues around discrimination. So how can we be sure that AI tools being used aren't discriminatory against certain types of people? So particularly at the moment, we don't think that we can be sure of this. For example, if an employee was to use AI to filter out CVs, as we spoke about the recruitment example earlier, and when it was putting in all of the criteria for selecting candidates, it asked the AI tool to apply a minimum standard of a university education, for example, then obviously the AI results or the candidate pool that the AI tool produces will automatically favour those who attended fee-paying schools because more individuals who went to fee-paying schools attend universities. So it's an incredibly complicated tool to try and um, understand all of the issues around. And as we keep saying, we're just not that much closer to understanding them. So to put this into a few more examples, um, we have spoken before about, so Matthew and I, about what happens if a quantitative analyst is using AI to review prospective investments? They might have confidential information on that AI platform. This AI platform might, the um, output that it produces might involve transferring data overseas to AI housing. And also the artificial intelligence tool might suggest poor investment. And then whose liability is it? So you can think of a million scenarios in which all four of those issues, data privacy, IP, negligence and discrimination come into play. My immediate response would be to say that the AI platform provider will always disclaim any liability uh, and and suggest that it's always the, and uh, again, if you conceive of it simply as a tool, it's the person using the tool, the actor, the human using the tool who's responsible for its defects and for how it's used in practice. I think that that if, if that isn't where the law ends up, then it, then it all, probably ought to. <laughs> Or perhaps I just haven't thought deeply enough about it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think it's a, I don't suppose there even would be, I mean, even when we draft employment contracts now, it, um, I suppose if you were trying to provide for that, you would perhaps <laughs> try and draft a specific, I can't think off the top of my head what you would try and include, but it would perhaps be, or it could be addressed with a policy. I'm, um, But yeah, it is a, it's a difficult one. I, I was going to say, you, you mentioned policy, presumably that that's the key, because if if we assume that um, the the risk of misuse sits with the person using the tool, then employers will need to think about how they guide their employees to use these tools more effectively uh, without give it, giving rise to too much risk. So presumably, again, that would need policies, guidelines, FAQs, th- those kinds of documents that you see in other areas of, of professional life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we already have, um, or it's very common for most employers to have things such as an internet usage policy. Um, And I wonder if it would perhaps, if we would start being, we might be asked to draft 
some sort of artificial intelligence usage policies, similar guidelines. And I think it's difficult because it will be, it depends on each employer, whether they want to be more or less permissive to AI. For example, perhaps if you have an employer who's a large tech company, they might want to be more permissive towards the use of AI as they might want to harness it or encourage it. Um, Whereas if you have a business that has a lot more sensitive um, personal client data, they might want a hard block on using AI. So it'll be something that each individual employer will have to think about. And then each policy will have to be tailored to their preferences. I suppose another more interesting um, solution that we've spoken about before was um, the idea of putting IT blocks on using AI at work. So blocking certain websites, blocking the use. Um, But again, I'm sure there would only be certain types of employers who would want to use such a draconian approach. Yeah, you get the sense, don't you, from the sort of direction of travel that that this is a technology that is here to stay and will only get better and and more and become more part of our of our lives, just as you know the internet has done. You know, I'm so old that I remember operating in an almost completely internet-free area when I first um, started uh, as a lawyer many moons ago. Uh, and presumably that's that's just going to be how it, how it becomes as time goes on and the tech advances and we will become a bit more used to it. It isn't that long ago since emails were a new technology and were initially quite controversial in, in law firms and whether or not they would be used over letters. So it'll be interesting to see um, whether there's a similarly fast adoption of generative AI from a legal context or if there's a bit more bit more pushback. Yeah, I mean, is it? We, we've we've spoken so far about this these technologies being effectively just sort of foolproof, incredible, mind blowingly clever. Are are they are they ever wrong? That's that's a really good point. And from my perspective, I think it's one of the most important things to take away from today's discussion is that there is a real risk that generative AI is going to provide. Um, incorrect information and then potentially there being dangers from people relying on it Uh, there's a concept called hallucinations for instance which is when a piece of generative ai will create um, an answer to a question and because it doesn't know the answer can't find something relevant to put in it will make it up and there was quite a famous example that people might have heard of when a lawyer in the United States recently um, used ChatGPT, I think it was, to draft some submissions for court. And then as part of that, the judge was reviewing it and then noticed that one of the cases that was cited um, was completely made up and obviously wasn't, wasn't very impressed with the lawyer's result. It's also worth pointing out that generative AI tools like ChatGPT typically trained up to a certain point in time and then there's a cutoff so it won't know anything that's happened past that particular date. Um, When I first started testing ChatGPT I asked what who the Prime Minister was and it answered Boris Johnson and I was a bit confused because that that happened to be several Prime Ministers ago at that that time and um, that was simply because as far as ChatGPT knew, um, that was the correct information, but um, it's because it's training cutoff at that particular date. And presumably, that would form the bedrock of any policy that um, a client wanted to wanted to put in place that 
it's on the it's on the employee at an individual level to use the tech wisely and to check it thoroughly. It's I mean I can see not yeah yeah I mean we're all nodding we're all nodding in agreement around the table, dear listeners. So yeah, that that is our our takeaway. Yeah, check everything and use things wisely. Um, presumably, then we so you've got the internet use policy that uh, Amy you've already spoken about. There might be social media policy that feeds into that data protection policy, and now uh, an AI policy. And obviously, it will be up to HR and employment legal to make sure that each of those is internally consistent, consistent across the across the piece. Fascinating. Um, is are there any other points to to flag? So yeah, it's really important for people to be aware that there are some real dangers there for generative AI to give incorrect information. From my perspective, in addition to some of the policies HR would put in place that Amy mentioned earlier, uh, companies also need to look at aligning aligning those with their IT policies and information security. So all they've, they've got all their ducks in a row. Yeah, absolutely. And I do wonder if now um, with sort of the advent of AI and employers wanting to um, wanting to implement policies like we've discussed, if um, traditionally they're not that interested in um people aren't particularly focused on spending a lot of time in producing their policies but i think now um i mean as we've spoken about on this podcast it's going to be very sensible for employers to engage with the employees on any risks associated with using ai and as they do that perhaps think about updating all of the other policies like oliver mentioned to make sure everything's lined up and consistent yeah policies are always uh, the last thing employers want to look at um, whereas, of course, uh, I would say this, wouldn't I? They should pay close attention to all their drafting, and that is why they should always come to lawyers. If you have any questions uh, about AI as it affects HR, or frankly, any questions about AI ge- generally, then please do reach out because, as I say, we've got a, a particular skill set in the firm within what we call a law tech function. Uh, so please do to um, send in any questions you have. All of our Contact details are in the episode description. It just remains then for me to thank Oliver and Amy for their thoughts um, this month. And uh, hopefully we will have the pleasure of your company on another edition in the future. Thanks. Thanks.